0: You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. You can turn over to Ephesians chapter 4 once again. We're going to move on. Uh, I'm going to start reading in verse 1, but we're going to move on. Actually, what do I have, about 30 minutes? I want to go through some pretty important things this morning. So uh, we'll just kind of move through this this first part. Um, I am just going to read from the beginning, read the first few verses here. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1 says, As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Verse 3 says, Make every effort, make every effort, that means work hard at this, to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all, all right, and in all. Okay, so let's stop there and just talk about verses, what is it, three through six here. Obviously, Paul is stressing this idea that anywhere the Holy Spirit is working, anywhere he's manifested, anywhere he's allowed to rule, okay, there's going to be unity. There's not going to be uniformity. This is something we seem to have a hard time with. The body of Christ is not supposed to, we're not supposed to be cookie cutter Christians. We do have, there is there is a unity that the Holy Spirit builds into the body that is there because of the nature of God in us, the love of God in us. The love of God in us does not cease when somebody does something you don't like, or they come from a background you don't like, or they... uh you know, they belong to a political party you don't like, or whatever that is. All of those things come in below. All earthly division is ungodly, all of it. We all, but we are all going to have different opinions about many of those things in life. But in the body of Christ, we all worship the same God. When you gave your life to Jesus, we were all when we were baptized into Christ when we went in, we gave our lives to Jesus we were born again we followed him in water baptism all right we were baptized into Christ we weren't baptized into a sect so that all of us would look the same say the same words be absolutely cookie cutter all right we were baptized into Christ we're all supposed to be becoming more like him not always more like each other, okay? So I actually think it's a great thing that in this church, we do have people with different opinions as long as we love each other above those opinions, okay? We don't get to dismiss each other, hate each other, dislike each other, put each other down because of earthly things. All earthly divisions, wherever you find strife and you find division, that's not a place God's being allowed to work. Okay, so so the Lord creates in us a unity that's based out of, it flows out of this agape love that lays down its life for the other person, right? And it is bound together in the peace of God. We value, so I'm kind of going at this a little bit. I'm talking in circles a little bit, but just stay with me. So unity does not mean uniformity but we do hold the same set of foundational values god is first in our life kingdom principles need to be first we need to be walking in them we need to be growing in christ okay we need to be we we value things like the love of god we value worship we value prayer we value the peace of God. We value and pursue all of those things and and those we hold in common. But we're all graced to reach different people, to be different individuals in Christ. And, And the reason, and if you don't get anything else today out of what we talk about here, what I feel like God wants us to get is that the way that this whole thing is supposed to work is that we we hold the same values, we have the same eternal purpose, our we have the same mandate to reach the world for Christ, but we are going to be differently graced and gifted to do that, and that's intentional on God's part, it's the way He does it, because not one of us can manifest all of Jesus. But the body of Christ as a whole, when we're flowing in the grace of God that he has given to us, when we're allowing that to work through us, we can. We are here. The church of Jesus Christ is here in the earth to be not just his hands and his feet, but, but his face, to be his life to people, to be his heart to people, to, to manifest him. But not a single, not one of us individually can do that. So he builds us together as a body. So there's a a lot that we could talk about just in those few verses. I I do want to stress, and I think this is just important because of where our culture is going. Wherever we find divisiveness and division in the earth, you can know it is ungodly. Actually, and I'll say it this way, it's maybe not the best way to say it. The only line, the only division and I don't mean animosity toward one another. I just mean the only line and division that's really drawn in the scripture is kingdom of darkness, kingdom of light. The scripture upholds that, that there is a difference between believers and unbelievers. Believers still don't get to hate and antagonize unbelievers. That's not our job. Our job is to love unbelievers. Okay. But it, but there is a division and it is different. It is not true that Everybody's the same. Everybody's going to heaven. Sin doesn't matter. All of that universalism stuff uh, is is not true. That is not what the Bible teaches. So there is that dividing line in the Scripture and in life, and it's something we need to be aware of. We also need to know what our appropriate role is in that, in representing the kingdom of God. But every place else, the 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 Scripture is clear in saying that in Christ there is not there's not jew or greek there's not male or female there's not slave or free it deals with ethnicity it deals with nationality it deals with uh it it deals with gender it deals with class it deals with all of those things and it says in christ all of those disappear we are all absolutely equal before the throne of god and that's where that truth is where a lot of our foundational political ideas have come from. Equality before the law, equality of opportunity, all of those things have their roots in scriptural principle. And yes, it took a long time, and they're still being worked out. It took a long time to work some of that stuff out. Nevertheless, that's where it comes from, and that is a kingdom principle. So, and i don't want to turn this whole thing into a political deal but it concerns me greatly i we grew up during the civil rights movement and during all of that and we were taught so strongly at in our parents homes in school you know just throughout society the message was you do not judge people by the color of their skin by their gender but you 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 judge people you're going to you know you may not like the word judge but you judge people by the content of their character who are they what do they actually do what do they actually believe how do they live that's what matters you don't hire and fire people by the color of their skin you don't hire and fire people you don't you don't group people like that and assume that they're all going to be the same And now, in our political world, it is turning around. We're now being told again, yeah, you do. You divide everybody into categories. Women all think like this. African Americans all think like this. You know, people of color think like this. White people think like this. White men don't think at all, okay? So that, the root of that, is evil. It is not scriptural. That is not the e- kind of equality is right. But that means we gotta stop looking at the outside and start looking at the inside. And that's a huge message for believers. Stop looking at one another after the flesh and look at one another after the spirit. I mean, this is a this is a foundational principle. And if we lose it as a society, hopefully we'll gain it back at some point. But if we lose that as a society, we're, we're in a lot of trouble. Okay? So as believers, okay, as Christians, let's understand that wherever the Holy Spirit is being allowed to reign, there will be unity and there will be people who are different from one another that are called to love one another far over and above these natural differences. We can have different opinions about different things. We can live at different levels financially and still love each other. You know, we can we can we can have a friend who has a lot more money than we do and not assume they're greedy and must have cheated to get it. You know, All of that stuff is just trash that's being thrown up. So, okay, so let's stay, let's stay with the scripture here. So, the other reason that Paul often comes back and says things like this one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father, okay, he, you'll see him emphasize that many, many times in his epistles because he's ministering to people who grew up believing there were many gods. Their, their society was full of idolatry. There were lots of gods. And so when they were introduced to Jesus and they were taught about a God who is one God in three persons, they just immediately, I mean, to them, culturally, it's like it's three gods. And Paul keeps coming back saying, no, it's one God. And when the Holy Spirit started manifesting himself in their church services, and one person stood up and prophesied and another person stood up and taught and another person Stood up and was, you know, and was real generous in their life, and all of them were clearly being inspired by God. They said, Well, that's the God of generosity, and that's the God of prophecy, and that's the God of uh, instruction. And, you know, they thought it was a bunch of gods. So Paul keeps coming back, especially when he's going to talk about gifts, which he's going to do in just a minute, and the grace that works differently in each of us. He always comes back first and says, Remember, this is one God manifesting himself through one body. In many different ways. Okay, does that make sense to you? So he he often leads in with this kind of thing. All right, you okay? I, never mind. Um, so in verse seven, let's just go down through. We're going to read verse seven, then we're going to jump down to verse eleven. My fingerprints never work in the winter, so I always have to type in the code because my iPad won't open. Um, Verse seven, he says, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ has apportioned it. All right. And then again, verses eight, nine, and ten, he says the same thing. again. He says, that's why when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train. He gave gifts to men what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Okay. But, and so again, he's saying, now, now pay attention here. There's just one, the one who descended is the same one who ascended. But, In verse 7, he says, each one of us, grace has been given. All right, this word grace here is used in that sense of the empowering grace of God that enables the believer to carry out God's will for his life. It enables the believer to do things they can't do in their own flesh. They could never do naturally. and, And yet the grace of God works through each one of us. Every single person in the body of Christ is graced by God, all right? And so there are things that you are going to be able to move in that, that I'll never be good at. I mean, I can try and do, I might be able to do it a little bit, but when you do it, the power and life of God will come through and touch people's lives in a way it'll never do through me because you're graced in that area and I'm not. So again, one body manifesting all these different multiple facets of who Jesus is. That makes sense to you, okay? I, I know we've covered that in the past, all right? So let's jump down to verse 11. And, in, and here, uh, Paul begins to describe one of the three primary sets of gifts that we find in the New Testament. Okay, there are three primary sets that he talks about. Uh, and, and then there are places where he kind of talks about a blending of all of those working in the body. But this is one of the three. And I'll just give this to you for those of you who are taking notes or those of you, most of you, we've been through these teachings before. But, uh, in Romans chapter 12, uh, Paul talks to us about gifts that come from Father God. There, there are seven of them. They're usually called either the creational or motivational gifts again they're like your spiritual dna they kind of motivate you toward they draw you toward specific avenues of ministry they color the way you see the world you might it might be practical service it might be meeting people's emotional needs it might be teaching the word of god it might be the prophetic there there again there's seven of them it might be the mercy flowing out through you but but Everybody has one or two of those gifts flowing in them. And it's just at the root of who you are in the body of Christ. All right. So, in fact, let me just read this to you. Uh, In Romans chapter 12, verses four through six, it says, just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to us. Okay, so that's the way the body works. That's the way the church is designed to work in the earth. Okay, so so we know there are the set of gifts that come from the Father. They're described in Romans chapter 12. Uh, here in Ephesians chapter 4, these we usually call the five-fold ministry gifts. We're going to talk about them just a little bit today. Uh, they're, they're gifts that come from the Son. So there's a set from the Father. This set comes through the Son. They are given to the church. Jesus is doing what? He said, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. He, a big part of how he builds the church is through these five gifts or offices. All right, And they are given to every one of us to every Christian. If you stand in one of those offices, you still need to receive from those offices, okay? Every believer needs to receive from the five gifts we're gonna talk about today. All right, they're there to build up the body. We'll see that in just a minute. And then over in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and some in chapter 13 and 14 uh, Paul talks about gifts, a set of gifts that come from the Holy Spirit. There are nine of those those are manifestations of the Holy Spirit where he ministers through us as he desires in these different gifts. okay, so there are these three main sets of gifts found in the New Testament and here in ephesians four uh, eleven Paul begins to talk about this all right what 's our primary topic? Our topic is how do we live a life worthy? of the calling we've received. Well, in this same chapter, Paul talks to us about these gifts that are given to us to equip us to do just that. Does that make sense to you? That's that's why we're here where we are talking about this today. So in verse 11, I want to read this to you from the Passion Translation, Ephesians chapter four, verse 11. All right. I love the way I feel like the Passion just absolutely nailed it here. It says, and he, Jesus, all right, has appointed some with grace to be apostles, and some with grace to be prophets, and some with grace to be evangelists, and some with grace to be pastors, and some with grace to be teachers. Okay, so there are five gifts there apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. And he says he is appointed or ordained or called for all right, established, some, so not all of us are called to one of these offices, all right? It's some. Some of the other gifts are very clearly, every one of us participate in them, okay? This chapter tells us everybody gets grace. Everybody is graced for something in the body of Christ. But as far as these five gifts go, Jesus ordained some, okay? With grace, he gave grace to be apostles, grace to be prophets. Each one of these things, it says he, and I, want, I just want you to notice those little three passages. He has appointed. These gifts come from Christ. These are not a career path that you choose on high school career day. These are not, and a lot of people treat it that way. These are, these are not, these are, these are callings from God these are you know, we have a natural ordination that we do, but it's just a reflection of these these gifts are ordained of God. It is some, it's not everybody, and they are ordained or they are given grace. They are given grace, empowering ability, right? Again, these offices aren't earned, they aren't merited. They are callings from God and they come by grace. And wherever something comes by grace, are you listening to me? Where something comes by grace, there is grace for us to receive. Grace is a flow of God's life. It is not just a, and and it is so much more. It is unmerited favor, but it it is that dynamic flow of his life that enables us, but it also, it feeds whatever God is trying to feed to us. It comes as a gift. It comes as grace. It comes to us and we reach out with faith and we receive it or we don't. So these gifts are given to the body. They're set in the body. They're given to us for every one of us, but we get to decide whether we receive from them and how much we receive from them. Okay. Let's, let's, um, Let's just read down before we go on here, before we go on with some detail. Let's just read these verses. Are are you getting anything out of this? Okay, verse 11, it says, and I'm just reading from the NIV here. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, teachers, to, why, why, okay, verse 12, what's their job? Verse 12 to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up. Okay, we're going to look at that in detail. Until, okay, so here's what's the result of receiving those gifts until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming instead speaking the truth in love we will in all things grow up into him who is the head that is Christ okay so we can see why he, what's the purpose of these gifts it is to bring through this variety of ministries to bring the body of Christ to maturity, and to equip each and every one of us to carry out our role in the body, to live a life worthy of the calling that God has put on our life. Does that make sense to you, okay? So let's look at this. I want to tear this apart a little bit. Verse 12 from the Passion Translation says, and their calling, meaning the fivefold offices, okay? apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, uh, their calling is to, I love this, nurture and prepare all the believers, all the holy believers, to do their own works of ministry. These gifts are given to nurture and prepare all the believers. Nobody's exempt from this. Whether you like this system or not, whether you want to do it some other way or not, this is the system that Jesus gave to the church to help every one of us be nurtured and prepared to do our own works of ministry, to fulfill and carry out what God has for you in your life. All right, he built a system for this. And that verse goes on. It says, and as they, meaning the believers, do this, do their own works of ministry, right? They will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. As they, all of us, do the ministry that God has put in us, the body of Christ will be enlarged. How's that happen? Because we reach people. And it will be built up. And that word means to edify. It means to strengthen. It means to mature. It means to grow in many, many different ways. Okay. This this term that passion uses the term nurture and prepare. It's a Greek word that means to fully equip somebody for service and, and bring them to complete readiness. So whatever you're called to do, Jesus has a process for you to be fully equipped because none of us feel equipped to do what God calls us to do. It's because we're supposed to do it by faith, okay? But we can have confidence. He has a system for each one of us to fully equip us and to bring us to complete readiness. It, this is for living a life worthy of your calling. This is an essential component, is that we learn how to recognize and give ourselves to these various aspects to this these five gifts that are in fact i believe that if we don't do that we will not grow to the kind of maturity the bible's talking about period okay this is the system he designed we don't get to vote on it we you can either participate or you can sit out and every one of us know people who've decided to sit out they've decided to exempt themselves from what goes on, whether it's in the local church or in any type of bigger gathering or any of that. There, I'm gonna do it on my own. I'm I don't need anybody, I don't need anything, I don't need organized religion. I don't like religion of any kind, but God called us to meet together. Okay? That's his deal. He called us to meet together. And those are places just some of the places where we grow. The important thing here is to recognize that This coming to maturity, this being equipped for every one of us, and again, I'll say it again, if you stand in one of these offices, you still need to be given to these offices. This is for every believer. As a Christian, I give myself to the ministry of other pastors and teachers and evangelists. I can't do it if I don't say it in that order. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Okay. I give myself to those. I look for those. And I look for two things. I I look I look for people that are in those various offices and I hope we have time to talk about them in just a minute. I look for people and I look for that connection from my end, that urging, that moving of the Holy Spirit, that sense that this is a place I'm supposed to be feeding right now. Because, especially for us, with all the internet stuff and everything, you can connect to a thousand different things. That's not necessarily what you're supposed to do. God has specific, and what we've seen over the years, we've, we have, we have our pastors have been our pastors since we very first started going to church and all of that as real young believers. God's never, I think you'll know what I mean. I was going to say messed with that. He's never changed that. But beyond that, for different apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, beyond that, he's, there have been different people in different stages of our life that held those offices that we knew were supposed to be feeding there. And we didn't always live there. A lot of it we did do through various kinds of teaching. But, but we draw on that anointing. And we're not just, this doesn't just happen through instruction. And I want you to get this today. God is a place for you to feed on the grace that is in that person, on that life, that gift that is in them. And so, you know what? In all of these years with all the incredible people that the Lord, we're so thankful, has brought into our life to help us and train us and show us things, open our eyes to things God was doing in our life, not one of them was perfect. Not one of them didn't make mistakes. Not one of them. There aren't any perfect ones. So again, you've got to look for the, the spiritual connection that God has for you. You should feel like you're getting fed that there's something there that God wants for me. And it doesn't just come through instruction. Obviously, I believe in instruction, okay? I'm a pastor and a teacher. I believe in instruction. It's where my heart is. But there's impartation. There's, there's something more than that when we learn To connect spiritually. And so when I'm connecting with one of these people, whether I'm going to their conference or I'm, or I'm listening to something on the internet or, or, you know, whatever, however it's happening, uh, when I'm doing that, my trust is in the Lord who designed the system to feed his grace through that person. And I'm going to draw on it and I'm going to be fed. I don't care how they're dressed or what their hair looks like or what, you know, I don't care. I don't care how different we are. I don't care. I want to suck the life of Jesus through them while I'm in there in whatever kind of meeting it is, whether it's worship, whether it's prayer thing, whether it's teaching, whatever it is, my heart, my faith going in is to pull the life of God through that person. And I'm telling you, that makes a difference for that person ministering too. But I'm going to put a demand on that. This is how this works, okay? And we need this variety of gifts, okay? We need this variety. Let me just, we're going to, know, I don't have anywhere near enough time to finish this. So let me just give you a little piece, and then maybe we'll come back to some of this. I don't really know at this point. let me just give you a little piece of what these gifts look like. Okay, the apostle is a person. Is, that word essentially means someone who's sent as a representative of another. Okay, it was not originally a church word like most, of the, like a lot of the words we have in the Bible. It meant someone who was sent. In historically, Rome sent these people sort of as ambassadors, plus ambassadors on steroids that went with the legions, and when they conquered some place, this person's role was to change the culture of that place to look like Rome. Okay, so apostles are those who are sent. They're there to, to carry the culture of heaven and to uh, change the culture of earth where they go. And what we see in the Bible is they went and they uh, got people saved and they built churches and they developed leadership and they went on somewhere else, but they remained in relationship with these people and they loved all of them and they changed the culture of the place. Okay, But the apostle is not called just to go. A lot of people say, oh, those are missionaries. The apostle is not called just to go and do this. They're also called to impart Some of that sent one stuff into our hearts so that we carry a part, we're not called to the office, but we carry a part of their grace to transform culture to look like heaven. Sometimes that means taking groceries to your neighbor, but the apostle will impart some of that grace to you. Does that make sense to you? Okay. Prophet, New Testament prophecy, such a broad term, but that the very basic, the very basic meaning is to perceive. And communicate what is coming directly out of the heart of God right now for the situation. Okay, manifests itself in a lot of different ways. But that's what it means. It's, it's about 80% perception and 20% communication. That's just me. It doesn't say that in the Bible. Okay, so the prophet is called sometimes to communicate with us what's coming right out of the heart of God. But more so, the prophet has a role to the body of Christ to equip us to perceive what is coming from the heart of God and be able to communicate it to people in our world. He equips the body of Christ with that gift. Does that make sense? Better, okay? The evangelist, okay? Obviously grace to communicate the gospel with a special anointing. These guys drive me crazy. They say four things, tell two stories about their dog and everybody comes to Christ. That they have a grace to reach people for the Lord. To reach unbelievers, a lot of, lot of signs and wonders, follow the, the ministry of evangelists. But they're also there, and I've met like two that knew that their role was not just for us to send them out to do that work, it was to equip us to do that work, to impart some of that grace to us to be able to reach the people in our lives and bring them to Christ. Are you seeing a pattern here? Okay. Same thing with the pastor, you know, called to lead and feed, primarily to feed and to lead and to try and keep people safe. Okay. Uh, And, but not just to do that work, but to impart some of that to us. There are people in your life that you need to feed, people in your life that you need to lead. You only have to be one step ahead of them to lead. Okay. And, and and people in your life that God's calling you to try to keep them safe, to try and keep them together so that the wolf doesn't just come and pick them off, right? So that they're not just out there on their own. And that's such a huge thing right now. It's such a huge thing. You know, I find God in the mountains. Well, so do I. But I also find him in here. You know, I find God out on the lake. Well, so do I. But God called us to meet together, you know? Anyway, don't get me started. I don't have time. Teachers, all right? Their grace to accurately and systematically impart truth. They have a deep love for the word and they can impart that to us so that our love for the word and our ability to grab hold and make it uh, understandable to people can grow. All of this is the church that Jesus is building. I'll finish with this, okay? Jesus is building this church, a people equipped to carry his presence and message that can transform culture to look like heaven. A people equipped to know and communicate God's immediate thoughts, what's coming out of his hearts right now. A people equipped with a passion and ability to reach the world for Christ. A people equipped to keep their neighbors safe and growing in the love and the word of God. And a people equipped with a deep love for the word and the ability to accurately communicate it. That's the church that reaches the world. That's the church he's building. And if you don't give yourself to these gifts, you miss a ton of that equipping. I'm really glad. I mean, the ideal thing is to be in a church where all of those people are on staff. That's awesome. Okay. Never been there, but I've seen it. It's awesome. I think it's probably God's best for every church on the face of the planet. But thank God we live when we where we can draw on, we can sense the Holy Spirit pointing us to certain places. And certain ministries and certain people. And again, sometimes that might shift. You're really feeding here. Then you come to a different stage in life and there's somebody else that's really ministering into your life. And he, but you, but in that place, it's not about the person. It's not about how flashy they are or aren't. It's not about, I mean, people refuse to receive to some, for somebody because they make more money than they do. They live in a bigger house than they do. Whatever it is, because they're female or because they're male. Talk about identity politics. And, and you know, we get on all these stupid tracks when what we're supposed to do is recognize, Jesus set this up, here are these gifts. I need all of these qualities in some degree in me. And there are people out there that he's set in place. And you feed here and you feed there. And you draw on the grace, not just on the words, but on the grace. I hope that made sense. I needed another two hours on that one. All right, let's stand up and pray together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Boy, sometimes it's so hard to stop. I'm so passionate about this. I want to see the body grow up. All right, and we are growing. I'm not a person, sorry, just got to say this. I'm not a person who stands there and points fingers at the body of Christ either and says, well, they're doing this wrong and they're doing that wrong. Well, what are you doing wrong? I get a little tired of reading that stuff. But... uh but, you know, it, it's it's like we are growing and we are maturing, but this is the system, and it's pretty counter to our culture, so it's good for us to know. Father, I thank you for it. I thank you for this word, first of all. Teach us, guide us, Lord, each one of us, Lord, in the places that we should be established and rooted, the places that we should be feeding frequently, Lord. Grow us and help us, Lord, and we want to go with your program Lord, we want to do it your way since there isn't another one. And and Lord, I just ask you, Father, to help us really hear the heart of your spirit to plug into certain places so that we can feed, we can be changed, we can leave junk behind, and we can grow and mature. And we thank you for that today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Uh, On the count of three, we're going to be dismissed. And then I hope to see everybody back here at six o'clock tonight for Remedy, right? Okay, one, two, three. Jesus is Lord Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Amen. Amen. Go out there and be the church. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.